Has it been a great week at camp? Yeah. yeah. Well, there are some thanks that we should probably give out. First off, let's give it up for DJ Jared. And let's give I don't know where he went. Hang on, hang on. Everybody, let's give it up for Big Daddy Byron. Yeah. Let's give it up for the Heartland staff. And last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There it is. God has done some pretty sweet things this week, friends. Hey, let's do this. If you have your Bibles for the very last time this week, go ahead and turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. We read this verse yesterday. We're going to read it again today. The author of Hebrews says, What more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, about Barak, about Samson, about Jephthah, about David, about Samuel and all the prophets. Now, friends, in this one verse, there is essentially a list of very familiar names. But in this list, there is a name that, at least to me, stands out. There's a name in this list that, to me, honestly, probably just shouldn't belong. And friends, that name is Samson. Samson. You know, it's it's truly mind-boggling to me that Samson makes it into Hebrews chapter 11. Because what we've seen over the course of the last five days is that Hebrews chapter 11 is essentially this long list of incredibly faithful people. But friends, then you look at Samson's life, who's, who's listed right at the end of the chapter. You look at Samson's life and you find out that he really was not faithful to God at all. In fact, to use the words here of, of James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ, uh, Samson is who we might call a double-minded fool. Now, friends, to be double-minded means that your priorities are shared. To be double-minded means that your uh, affections are torn. To be double-minded means that your affections, your person, your loyalties, they are divided. Friends, in a nutshell, that is exactly who Samson was. Friends, during the day, Samson was the type of man who would fight the Lord's battle. But at nighttime, he was the type of man who would break the Lord's command. Friends, today, we would call Samson two-faced. We would call Samson a hypocrite. And yet, somehow, this hypocrite, this two-faced fakes, makes it into Hebrews chapter 11. Friends, somehow Samson makes it into the great hall of faith. Friends, here's what Samson's story is going to teach us tonight. Samson's story is going to teach us that God is willing to look past our failures and use us again as long as we come back and trust in him. Now, in just a moment, we're going to look at a couple of uh, a couple particular failures from Samson's life. But before we do, there's a, there's a couple things you need to know about the man. First, you need to know that Samson was a, anybody know? He was a judge. Someone said tax collector. No, <laughs> close. Samson was a judge. Now, when we say that Samson was a judge, what we essentially mean there is that he was a, f- a defender of the nation of Israel. Now, this is, a, this is a fun fact. Someone say the word shafet. Say shafet. Shafet is the Hebrew word for judge. Shafet literally means ruler. And so Samson was a ruler of Israel, but he wasn't a ruler in a kingly sense. He was more so a ruler in a military sense. Friends, you can think of Samson as like an ancient Jewish general to the Israeli army. And honestly, friends, Samson's job, it was, it was, it was pretty simple. As a judge, Samson was tasked with protecting the people of Israel and ensuring that false gods and false prophets stayed away. 
So he was a judge, and then we also find out that, that, that Samson was a Nazarite. Now, to give you the most simple definition I can, a Nazarite was essentially a person in the Old Testament who made a, a vow of commitment to God. Now, if you were a Nazarite in the Old Testament, there were certain rules you had to follow. First, Nazarites were not allowed to drink what? Anybody know? They cannot drink alcohol. But friends, the text doesn't say they can't drink alcohol. It says they can have and consume nothing that comes from the vine. And so not only could they not eat uh, or drink wine, they couldn't have whiskey, they couldn't have tequila, they couldn't have you know, Welch's grape juice, right? Well, Samson couldn't have it. We also learn in number six about Nazarites that Nazarites couldn't cut their hair and they, and they, couldn't, uh, they couldn't go near or, or touch a dead body. Now, Samson, he's two things. He's a judge. He's a defender of Israel. He's a warrior. But he's also a Nazarite. He is a man with an incredibly strict legal system. And let me just tell you right out of the gate, Samson sucked at both of those roles. Friends, Samson was absolutely awful. You know, in the 1970s, a group of Stanford psychologists, they, they did this experiment that famously became known as the marshmallow test. What these psychologists did is they got a group of five-year-olds together, and one by one, they put these five-year-olds in an empty room. And in that empty room, they placed a single table, and on top of that single table, they placed a single marshmallow. And then the psychologists, they, they told the children they had two options. They told the five-year-olds that when they left the room, the child could either eat the marshmallow or they could wait. And the psychologist then told the children if they waited, if they were patient, there would be a reward. If they were patient, they would get an entire bag of marshmallows to eat by themselves. Now, this may not surprise you, but do you want to guess what every, almost every single five-year-old did? They ate the marshmallow. Friends, what that study found out is that five-year-olds have very little self-control. Five-year-olds have a very little ability to control their instincts. Friends, I'm convinced that if Samson was a part of that, of that marshmallow test, that he would have eaten the marshmallow instantly. Because, friends, as you look at Samson's story, you find out very quickly that that guy has no impulse control. You find out very quickly when looking at Samson's life that he does not know how to control himself. Friends, time after time after time, Samson committed stupid choices. For example, the very first time we are ever introduced to Samson in Scripture, the very first story we have from his adult life is a story of him trying to marry this smoking hot Philistine chick. Now, let me ask you, do you suppose it is wise for Samson, the judge of Israel, the defender of Israel, to try and marry a Philistine woman? Is that wise? No. Friends, yesterday we talked about David and how God used David to slay the, the mighty giant Goliath. Does anybody know what city Goliath was from? Starts with a G. Gath. Friends, Gath was a Philistine city. The Philistines were the enemies of the people of Israel. Now, friends, Samson is a judge. He's supposed to be defending the Israelites from the Philistines, but instead, friends, he's bringing them in. He was a crappy judge. You know, I really like what his parents say. He essentially he goes to his mom and dad, and he's like, hey, 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 I found this, this little Philistine honey. Listen to, what they, listen to what they say. Judges chapter 14, verse 3. But his father and mother said to him, and listen to this, his father and mother said to him, can't you find a young woman amongst your relatives or among any of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines for a wife? 
And I was reading this verse uh, last week, and I couldn't help but laugh, because essentially his parents say this, son, we would rather you marry one of your cousins than a down-home, dirty Philistine girl. That's some real sweet home Alabama stuff going on, okay? But then, friends, listen. Listen to how he responds to his parents. He doesn't heed his parents' warning. He doesn't respect their wishes or what they have to say. Listen to what he says, 1 Samuel 14, 4. He says, get her for me. He says, get her for me. She is the right one for me. Friends, in the New King James Version of the Bible, they translate the Hebrew there just a little bit different, and I prefer how the New King James reads. According to the New King James Version, this is what Samson told his parents. He told his parents this, get her for me because she pleases me. Get her for me because she pleases me. Friends, right when we are introduced to Samson in Scripture, we find out that he is a man who only cares about pleasing himself. Friends, Samson has no concern about being obedient to God. It doesn't matter that he's a judge. It doesn't matter that he's a Nazarite. He is concerned with himself and himself alone. And friends, this just keeps happening. A couple of verses later in Judges 13, we, we read that Samson is walking in a vineyard. Now, we don't know why Samson was walking in a vineyard, but remember that Samson was a Nazarite, and so he couldn't consume anything that came off of what? A vine. Friends, do you know what is in a vineyard? A vine. Right? Samson was an absolute fool for putting himself there. But listen to what happens. He's, he's walking through the vineyard. Judges 14, verse 5. He's walking through the vineyard. And we read that suddenly a lion attacked him. It's like something happens in Fresno. They got the zoo. The zoo just goes crazy. That zoo's ghetto, dog. It's crazy. A lion suddenly. Judges 14, 5. Back to the text. A lion suddenly attacked him. Now, friends, 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 friends. If a lion attacked you, because you're in Fresno. Friends, if a lion attacked you, what would you do? Here's what most of us would probably do. We would probably run. Some of us, friends, we would probably hide. I'm sure some of you eighth grade boys are probably dumb enough that you'd probably try to fight. You'd be like, I got it. I'm 85 pounds and covered in baby fat, but I got it. No problem. Friends, if a lion attacked any one of us, guess what would happen? Yeah. We would die. But that is not the case of Samson. Listen to this. The lion attacks him in the vineyard 14.5. A lion attacked him. We read in Judges 14.6 that the spirit of the Lord, this is like the most gangster verse in the Old Testament. It says that the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson and Samson tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Now, I'm going to be the first one to admit to you tonight that I don't know exactly what the phrase, as he might have torn a young goat, means. But apparently, tearing young goats is pretty, pretty ordinary for Samson. Right? You would ask Samson, you go, hey, brother, Samson, little eighth grade. This is my eighth grade chubby boy impression. Hey, brother. Hey, Samson, how's your 4th of July? And Samson would say something like, yeah, you know, it was pretty huge. You know, shot some fireworks, went in the pool, barbecued up some mean pork, tore a couple goats, you know, no big deal. 
Friends, I don't know what it means that Samson tore goats all the time, but we do know that he tears this lion in half. But then the story continues. He tears this lion in half and he leaves it. And we read then in Judges 14, verse 8, after some time, when he returned to marry her, which the her is that Philistine girl that he shouldn't be with, when he returned to marry the Philistine girl, he left the road to see the lion's carcass. Right? Remember, men, we get distracted. He left the road to see the lion's carcass and listen to this. And there was a swarm of bees with honey in the carcass. Now, about a year ago, I stopped eating sugar altogether. I don't eat sugar, but one thing I eat all the time is honey. Friends, I love honey. In fact, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, he owns a honey farm. And that's the only reason I'm his friend. I love honey. But I got to tell you, friends, if I was walking down the road, it doesn't matter how hungry I am. If I see a dead, rotting lion in Fresno. <laughs> And that line is full of honey. My first response is not going to be like, that looks good to eat, you know? Absolutely not. Friends, I would be disgusted, but shh, listen to what Samson does. Judges 14, verse 9. Samson scooped up some honey in his hands, and he ate it as he went along. Now, friends, let me ask you this. Is it a problem that Samson ate honey from the corpse of a dead lion? Yes. Why? Because he's a Nazarite. Friends, Nazarites are not supposed to touch a dead body of any time. They're not even supposed to be around it. And yet here Samson is not only touching the body, but he's eating food right out of it. Friends, you look at Samson's life and he just keeps being disobedient. But then it gets even worse. Friends, Samson's disobedience meets a new level because he's introduced to a woman named Delilah. Now, you can make an argument. The scripture is not exactly clear, but you can make an argument that Delilah was essentially a Philistine prostitute. Friends, Delilah was a prostitute that Samson fell madly in love with. Now, we know that Delilah, she did not love Samson at all. In fact, as the story goes, Delilah was actually hired by the Philistine leaders to seduce Samson and try to figure out where it was that his strength came from. Now, to make a, a long story short, she does seduce Samson. And eventually, Samson admits to this prostitute. He admits to Delilah that if he cuts his hair... If you were to break his Nazarite vow once and for all, his strength would leave him. And so in Judges chapter 16, we read that Samson, he had fallen asleep on Delilah's lap and she took a blade and she began to cut off Samson's hair. In the very next verse after his hair was gone, we read that the spirit of the Lord left him. His strength was depleted and the Philistines, they were able to come and subdue him. Now, friends, the, the Philistines, they were a cruel, cruel people. Friends, in Scripture, in Judges 16, when they capture Samson, the very first thing they do is they begin to gouge his eyes out. And friends, after they gouged his eyes out, they took him back to one of their capital cities and they threw him in prison where he grinded grain like an ox. And then it gets worse because every time there was a party in this city, every time people would come and worship the, the fake, phony Philistine god Dagon, they would bring Samson out. And they would bind Samson between two poles. And the scriptures say that they would use Samson for their own entertainment. Friends, you look at Samson's life. And he's a man who just makes one compromise after another, one compromise after another, one compromise after another. Now, I think we would all agree that what happened to Samson was absolutely horrible. 
But when you look at the story, there was really nobody else to blame but Samson himself. Now, friends, with Samson's story in your mind, let me ask you this. How does a man like Samson, a hypocrite, a man who disobeyed God, a man who sought to please himself, a man who broke the vow he made to the Lord, how does a man like that make it into Hebrews 11? How the heck does a man like that become known for his great faith? Friends, this is very simple. It's because God looked past Samson's failures. God was able to look past Samson's failures because Samson put his faith back in him. Friends, listen to this. This is the end of Samson's story, Judges 16, verse 25. We read that when they were in good spirits, this is the, the Philistine leaders, they said, bring Samson here so he can entertain us. And so they brought Samson from prison and he entertained them. They had him stand between the pillars. Verse 26, Samson said to the young man who was leading him by the hand because Samson could not see, he said, lead me where I can fill the pillars supporting the temple so that I can lean against them. Verse 27 tells us, now that temple was full of men and women all all the leaders of the Philistines were there. And about 3,000 men and women were on the roof watching Samson entertain them. Friends, listen to verse 28. Here Samson is likely naked, beaten, cannot see. And we read in verse 28 that he called out to the Lord. Friends, for the first time in a long time, Samson called out to the living God. And he said this, he said, Lord God, please remember me. Strengthen me. God, just once more, with one act of vengeance, let me pay back the Philistines for my two eyes. Friends, verse 29 tells us that Samson took hold of those two middle pillars that were supporting the temple. And leaning against him, one on his right hand and the other on his left, Samson said, let me die with these Philistines. And he pushed with all his might until the temple fell on all the people. Friends, Samson's prayer in Judges 16, his last words were essentially this, God, I have forgotten you, but Lord, I know that you have not forgotten me. Friends, I believe in that moment, Samson repented and he trusted in the Lord once more. Now, here's the thing, friends. I know, I know that there are people who came to this camp who are just like Samson. Friends, I know that there are some of you who at one point in your life, you made a vow to God. You said, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you, but you have drifted away. Friends, I am certain tonight that there are disobedient followers of Jesus here. Friends, if that's you, make the, tonight the night that you get right. Now, after this, we're going to go and we're going to go out to the field and we're going to have a time of worship and we're going to worship God through song. But here's how I also want us to worship God. Friends, I want us to worship God through repentance. Friends, if you know that you have drifted from God, if you know, like Samson, that you have been disobedient and you've only ever been concerned about pleasing yourself and fulfilling the desires of your own flesh, I urge you tonight to repent in your sins and trust in Jesus once more. Friends, God is willing to look past your past failures. God is willing to use you again for his glory. His arms are open. He is ready to receive each and every single one of you. 
You simply must come to him. So friends, with that in mind, do the survey of your own soul. Ask yourself the question, am I obedient or am I like Samson? Friends, it's been a great week. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you are God who is willing to look past our failures and use us time and time again. Lord, I thank you that you have looked past my failures. Lord, I pray for anyone in this area tonight, this place tonight, Lord, who is far from you. Lord, who has drifted. Lord, who has been disobedient. Lord, I pray that they would become like Samson. Lord, I pray that they would cry out to you tonight and say, God, I have forgotten you, but I know you have not forgotten me. Lord, I pray that you would bring about a spirit of repentance tonight at this camp. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done this week and for all that we know you're going to keep doing. And all of Heartland Christian Camp said, Amen. Amen.